0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docu-series Black Twitter: A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter: A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu.
1: Okay, Anna, you rode your bike into the studio today, into the building. You're very athletic, <laughs> right? I know no, because no, you're because you're a runner? Right,
2: that is true.
1: Okay, I
2: there is a distinction between athletic, though I think, and active. Yes, but I was the kid who got picked last in school every <laughs> single time.
1: Also, oh, there's an element of uh, skill involved in athletics.
2: There's an element of skill involved in athletics that I think is difficult to achieve if you're naturally born horrible at them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and why are we talking about athletics? today on a music show?
2: on a music show, because you would be surprised, Felix, or maybe you're not, but perhaps others would be surprised about how connected they are, music and sports.
1: And they both involve discipline. They both involve focus. And you have to spend a lot of time practicing to achieve successes and meet your goals.
2: And you have to be a person who is inclined to not get distracted by other things.
1: Which leads us to our guest this week.
3: Y de mil mil al
2: Eladio Carrion, he is a hip-hop artist, rapper from Puerto Rico, but originally born and spent a lot of his childhood in the U.S.,
1: And we talked about athletics because he was a competitive swimmer for 10 years in his youth.
2: This guy, I mean... He is like the epitome of focus. He is like, you can read athlete all over his attitude, his face, his energy, the way that he applies himself to music is like, oh, that feels recognizable.
1: And our show this week is about that, that focus of being an artist, that focus that it takes to be an athlete.
2: And you know what's so interesting about that too, Felix, is we started by talking with him about how he used sports as this tool to explore for himself and we see how he does that later as a musician I mean like we mentioned he spent time in the US and then moved to Puerto Rico and I love to say that he is not a Latin hip-hop artist but rather a Latin and hip-hop artist and I think he does that with his music because he's getting to know himself every time he makes a record and he says the same thing about sports
4: Team sports are fun, but I encourage everyone to do solo sports because solo sports are really important to to really get to know yourself because it's not the same telling yourself, okay, my goal this year is to win a a championship this year with my team because anything can happen. Another player can get uh, injured or whatever, but swimming, golf, track and field, all those sports that are individual sports, it's all about you. It's you against you, you against the the watch. So that's why I love it so much, too. It's very important to challenge yourself. And individual sports really give you a chance to challenge yourself, you know, help you reach new heights.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I'm a fencing dad. My two sons were fencers, okay? And the oldest one fenced competitively all the way into college. So I learned... I was a team sport kid when I was a kid, certainly not as an adult, right? But one of the things I learned about watching them grow up through fencing was that the other part was like how to lose and what you learn from that. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
4: Because in losing, you will find the trick or what you need to do to win. People don't see it Mm -hmm. that way. Like People say, oh, I lost. No, but but in that loss, you just got to dig deep into it. You're going to find the answer because of how you lost and you're going to win next time. You know, if you lose like three times in a row, and then something's wrong with you, you got to step your game up.
2: See, what I found super interesting about everything you just said is, you were like, with team sports, anything can happen, but like in any sport, anything can happen. Like, do you yeah, feel like like
4: when it's individual sports, you have at least you have more control of the outcome? Because if you're a runner, if you're a swimmer, when you walk into that pool, onto that diving block you know what you're going to do already because you train for that. Like, you know if you slack, you know if you did a good job in training because you, you, at that, when, when you're an elite athlete, you know your body already. So it's that. Because like in sports, you know, in, in soccer there's too many variables there's too many players you know you know what if that guy didn't train enough what if this guy didn't train enough what if this guy mm-hmm. didn't you know wake up early in the morning wait, maybe what if he partied last night there are too many variables when it's in like an individual sport mm-hmm. only relays you know and it's only four people and like and y'all are locked in like you all train together you guys you know it's, it's 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 different
1: and that stood out to me too because Like, for example, with my kids, and I'll go back to my kids for a second, they were part of a team, they were part of a club, right? But it it is an individual sport. And it's very much like being a musician and what you do, exactly what you do, because it's your musical vision. Your team are the producers, the musicians, everybody that you're touring with, all of that stuff, your team. But it's still an individual sport, man. It's still you. It's still your vision. It's still your name, right? Yes,
4: sir.
2: Okay, but listen, the way I see it, like, you walk out on stage, and if your bassist partied too hard last night, like, what are you going to do?
4: But you know what's crazy? Like, right now, to be honest with you, like, my shows are very well known because it's a very, um, me and my fans show, I don't have dancers, I don't have, um, I don't have, uh, (laughs) bass players, guitar players, I don't have a band, it's me and my DJ, so, like, my DJ, you know, he's a father of three children. Like they're all right. older. Like he's, he's he's not he's not going out partying. He's rest. He's going to sleep by 9 p.m. You know, he's a very responsible guy. So it's very
2: reliable. He's a very reliable
4: guy. <laughs> and even though like music, it's 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 you know, if, if if I mess up like a word, you know, it's I'll just dance around. You know, they'll they'll sing the song with me. You know, but like like I said, like I I, I like. To keep things very safe. You know, having not having a band keeps things very safe. You know, not having dancers. Even though some shows may, you know, may may need it. But maybe keep hearts. But like, you know, I keep my stuff simple. Simple,
3: simple, simple. <laughs>
2: Not every dad is reliable. You should see how Felix parties. Oh god. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, man. I was just going to say, man, if you could only see us on Zoom out there in radio land or podcast land, I'm like, what do you mean? What's wrong with the reliable dad, man? Come
4: on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank God. Yeah, my team is very reliable. Like, you know, I, I go to sleep at night, you know, like a baby every night because I know when I'm not thinking about mm. stuff, Everything's still running because I have other people think brainstorming about stuff, you know. So like, my team is amazing.
1: So the other thing that interested me is your fascination with golf right now. Oh, bro, I'm, I'm the I'm, I'm going to be the best in the world again. An individual, <laughs> yeah.
4: Again, an individual sport, right? Yeah, bro. Like I said, like I love being in. in, in like, like I don't gamble. Like I don't. I, I like seeing my money where it is like i like very you know simple and just straightforward things like golf is very straightforward like if if you sit down and practice you're gonna get good at it i don't have to depend on anyone except for myself and my talent you know and that's it's practice everything like one thing i've understood because i've done everything i've done comedy i've done sports i've done everything everything is practice work everything everything you do in life is practice And what separates the good from the mediocre is how much you practice. Talent is always going to be outrun by practice. Always, any time of the day. If
1: you're not working out, your competitor is.
4: Yes, exactly. It's not even your competitor, like you know. It's like it's it's with yourself. You're you're battling with yourself, you know, to wake up every morning, go to work, do this, do that. It's a battle with yourself at the end of the day. It's not even your competitors. It's it's with yourself.
3: (laughs) El cartero llegó sonriendo me dijo que yo coroné. Le dije una pa que le dije que tal si lo hacemos otra vez. Me dijo pues claro cabrón ahora ese cabrón tiene un paté. Si la calle llama yo lo voy a coger.
2: I mean, I'm hearing a lot of, of threads here, though, where you're like, you're talking straightforward, safe, like reliable, controllable. Where do you think all that comes from for you?
4: Okay, in swimming. I got an, a good idea of putting, you know, making goals and seeing results. And there was like a formula to that. And when you have that formula, you know, it, it applies to other different things. And it's, and the formula is simple, man. Simple and easy for me. It's that, you know, making things that are simple, that are easy to understand, that, that you know, people are always going to love it. And like, it's going to be easy for you to do it also. But yeah, I'm, I'm a very, you know, it's not like I'm a risk taker because I'm music. I, I take risks all the time. But in that aspect in sports, I love to keep it simple, you know, and, and and just easy to understand.
2: Why do you like the formula? What does the formula get you?
4: Results. My, and, and swimming, the formula was, you know, eat, sleep, and swim. I didn't go out. I didn't do anything, you know. And music, my formula was, you know, 15-hour sessions. Not seeing the sunlight for three days, just locking in and then just being a, a studio rat. My formula is work and practice. That's my formula.
1: Let's go back a little bit, and when did you make that transition and be able to apply your formula and your discipline and your focus to making music, because you must have been listening to music as an athlete, right, as a swimmer, yeah. maybe getting psyched up, you know, putting stuff on, your headphones or whatever. Like, when did you make that transition? What was that like, and how did you do it from listening and then apply that same discipline and goal setting to making music?
4: I I really didn't even, like, notice it because it was already, like, a mindset that already had, like, it's it's already, like, sort of, it's a chip inside my head. Like, you know, like, okay, I want to be the best at this, What do I have to do? Okay, how do I get there? How do I get there? Where am I standing at right now? Okay, it's it's there? Okay, okay, let's go there. So that's that part, you know, the brainstorming, the planning, the organization, all that just transferred to everything I did in life. Everything, after swimming. Because I retired at a very young age, like I was 18 probably, 19 when I stopped, you know, taking it seriously. But Probably didn't see a lot of money off of it, but it really gave me something something better than money.
2: You moved around a lot as a kid, right?
4: Yeah, I moved. I've been in, like, probably five states, maybe.
2: Were you swimming during during all of that?
4: Actually, no. I, I did all the other sports as a kid. You know, I played baseball. I did, you know, basketball, football, soccer. I did every sport known to man. And right when my dad was retiring from... um from the Army, we were in Alaska, and maybe, like, the last two months we were there, I picked up swimming. So, but it was it was a good thing, because it's not like I was doing football, and, like, when we were to move to Puerto Rico, there weren't going to be any football programs. Like, in Puerto Rico, there were a bunch of swimming teams, it's an island, so it was perfect. So, like, when I left Alaska, I came to Puerto Rico, and, like, they, I was blessed to finding a really good team, like, off the back, a team from Macau. Um, I had an amazing coach from the get-go, and it was just uphill from there. I started swimming when I was, like, nine, and I was already on my first um, on the national team when I was, like, 12, probably.
1: Before you moved to Puerto Rico, like you said, you've been moved all over the country. Was your family able to keep uh, a Puerto Rican culture going in the home so that how different did it feel to live it
4: on the island once you were there? No, it was... You know, I was never prepared for because I, I never thought my dad was going to retire that soon. I was ten, you know. I was like, one day I were leaving, um, so I didn't really know that much Spanish because on, on base there was like even the like the Latino kids, like their parents didn't even teach them Spanish that much. They didn't know that much Spanish. We were speaking English, but. The culture was always there. My mom, you know, the food. Um, They would always to see the boxing fights. We would see the boxing fights at our parents' house. They would always come over, the other Puerto Rican families. You see the Tito fights, to see the Ruiz fights, all of them. So, no, I always got a a very good grasp of what the Puerto Rican culture was. So it was very um, easy for me to fall in love with it.
1: So, what was going on musically when you arrived in Puerto Rico? I would just be doing the math, it was probably reggaeton was probably exploding. Yeah, like bro, that, like, right?
4: That Yankee just, that was 2005, bro. I can't, no, I can't appear in 2007. That was, that was after Gasolina hit. We seen yeah, that were popping, though that was popping too, like they had popped already. And reggaeton was at its his, his peak right there, 2007 but I really never had you know plans of doing music. I just enjoyed the music. I remember really having a a mad respect for you know for Hector the father because he had a song with Jay-Z. And for me like not knowing Spanish, you know seeing him do something I was like okay that's, that's crazy we see him dead one of this song where they did a song with 50 cent. that was really big for me too because at that time I was um, actually you know learning how to speak the language. So those songs it'll help mm-hmm. me out to speak the language. I'm seeing soap operas too. will help me out, and more because like, at that time like, they they were like really explicit. I would sing stuff and I would not know what what it was like it was. <laughs> and my mom would tell me, hey say, hey yo, don't be saying that stuff over here. We have we have this. Don't be that. We have we have people here. <laughs> don't be singing that stuff. So you're saying this this and this and that. It's like oh snap, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs>
1: We'll be back with this interview with Eladio Carrion right after this.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Starring Riley Keo and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays, only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out, what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First, every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And we're back with our interview with Eladio Carrion. Being that age and arriving in Puerto Rico, not speaking the language, like you must have felt, like, I don't know, did, did listening to music like reggaeton help you like connect with the other kids a little bit too?
4: It was hard, you know, coming, like I had to go to bilingual school off the bat. Because when I got there the first week, it was horrible because you know I didn't know Spanish, you know, kids were were nice and stuff, you know, you know how kids are. Yeah. But um, I think the thing that really, really got me into making friends and stuff was the fact that I really didn't really care. I would speak Spanish like how would how I was speaking and, like and it helped me because they would, you know, correct me like the, the people who mm-hmm. don't speak fluent Spanish. And live in Puerto Rico is because they're, they're scared to, to speak it, you know. Because mm-hmm. if you speak it, even if it's it's wrong, they'll little by little, you know, correct you, and you'll you'll learn little by little.
1: When you arrived in Puerto Rico, what did you arrive with? What were you listening to on the mainland? Because you said the reggaeton was popping, but what had you been growing up with, and what was on your playlist?
4: I was on, I was on Eminem, 50. um. Who else was I listening to? Maybe I was, you know, fabulous, all of them. I was, I was, I was a very hip-hop, I was a hip-hop head mama. I was on Biggie Tupac Nas, all that, because my sisters are 10 years older than me. So like I was hearing what, you know, what what was popping at that time, plus the music they, like, you know, Mob Deep, all all those, you know, hip-hop. So I was coming on that. But I did also appreciate like a music, because I would come to Puerto Rico every once in a couple years and there was a uh called a, a channel in Puerto Rico called Video Max. it's like an MTV that they would put like all the new music and stuff like that and i would listen to it you know and i, w- I would catch a vibe
3: la no la mega
2: Fast forward to when it came time for you to start really working with and making your own music. What was going through your head as you were thinking like, okay, I I grew up and I had some of this hip hop in my life. I had some reggaeton in my life. Like what made you go in the direction you went in?
4: I think my background musically is like it really gave me an edge up on the, like, from the other rappers, because, like, I really grew up listening to the same things they did. Plus, I have a crazy hip-hop background. Plus, you know, in my my house, they would listen to everything, 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 all types of music, you know, rock, this and that. I have a very musically rich background when it comes to what I used to consume as a kid. So when I came into music, I came into, you know, with a different approach, because when, like, Unconsciously, when you listen to so like much music from like, I just definitely I, I know I know punk rock I know screamo, everything every every type of genre you can imagine, I know at least a, a little bit maybe, but I think that really gave me the edge because when you come into the booth with like unconsciously with that much information musically, you know it helps you know, uh, find different flows, different cadences, different you know ways how to say stuff you know different punchlines. so that really helped me a lot
2: you know it's interesting to me because um felix and i interviewed an artist i don't know if you've heard of him he's called sema funk um we interviewed him a few months ago now and he's one of the few artists that i think is kind of doing what you're doing but in a different way he does like Cuban, like Afro-Cuban beats mixed with American hip-hop and does this really interesting kind of like exploring both parts of his lineage, both parts of his blackness through kind of blending these two different genres. And, and I feel as though in many ways what you do is similar. Like uh, your build is kind of like Latin hip-hop, but to me you're really like doing Latin and hip-hop.
4: Hip-hop, exactly, exactly.
2: I wonder if that's something you feel... Yeah, like, do you feel like you're representing two lineages in doing that?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like even when, like, when trap, I never really, really wanted to be in music until, you know, trap music started booming in Puerto Rico because I said, okay, here I could do something because that's my stronghold. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I love doing music because before I would only do trap music, but I had my reggaeton, I have my dance halls. Like little by little I would recognize how at the end of the day it's just music and how to represent the best way you can represent your culture. I think I've been, you know, demonstrating that the past mm-hmm. years, you know, I could do a trap album, but in the trap album, there's gonna be at least, you know, maybe two two songs that are like Afro Beef Haget to not let people forget that we're yeah, we're, that I know that we're um you know, we're Puerto Rican. Ever since I started music, I always wanted to, you know, to to build a bridge between you know the Latino community and the American community. Like, I really wanted to build that bridge. That's why my last album, you see that, the song with 50, with Wayne, with Future. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm always going to be trying to do um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. featuring's with, you know, with American artists, but the right way. So, you know, people will keep on doing it and like we'll keep on building that bridge between us. So at the end of the day, you know, Puerto Ricans are very, very present mm-hmm. in hip hop. Very, very present in the beginnings and the everything, everything. Mm-hmm. So.
3: It's our duty. To keep alive. You
2: arrived in Puerto Rico when reggaeton was like having its moment. Like, was that not appealing to just do straight ahead reggaeton? Like, why did you decide not to do that?
4: That's- nah, cause you know, I- I'm such a like I'm such a hip hop head. You know, you know the reason why? Because I, as a kid, I was always a person who really listened to lyrics, who really you know sat down like and, and and said, "Oh, who did this beat?" I was making those questions at like seven years old, six years old, like who did this beat? Like I had a very like you know very um cool questions as a kid, you know. So like the reason why I didn't jump into reggaeton. You know, because I really didn't understand what the artists were mm. saying. I couldn't. I couldn't relate to the music. It was just like super cool. Like I, I would hear it. I said, "Oh wow, that sounds super cool!" Like, but like I, I, couldn't like. It was not until later, maybe like I was in the tenth, no, a ninth grade, eighth grade, that I could really appreciate what like people were like saying and like in, in full. You know, the metaphors and all that stuff, the rap. So maybe it was because of that. But I was always inclined toward hip hop and rap. You know. Cause I would be in Puerto Rico, you know, but I would still be telling my friends from the <laughs> states, "Hey, yo, burn me a CD and send it to me, like, so, like, like to see what, what's 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 popping over there. Still, like, you know, keep me up to date. I don't want to lose contact, you know, whatever. Cause, so, like, I I, I, I will I will always be inclined mm-hmm. towards hip hop.
2: Between the between, kind of like the mainland U.S. and Puerto Rico, where where do you feel most at home now?
4: Oh, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, like. I live in Puerto Rico. I'm never like like you know, I respect for the states, you know, I was raised there, but about Puerto Rico, man, that's that's my, my safe mm-hmm. spot. Like that's where I go to rest. Like when I'm on the road here in the States and in Europe, I don't feel like I rest, but like when I'm when I get my two days, my three days in Puerto Rico, that's 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 gold for me. Like anytime I get a chance to go to Macau, my hometown, to just touch down in Puerto Rico. I'm gonna take that chance because that's that's home for me. I'm living in Puerto Rico till I die. I'm, I'm never moving.
3: Well, that
2: was fun.
1: I gotta say, it was a lot of fun talking to him about sports, about individual sports.
2: Oh, he just lit up. I was so fascinated. I was just like, but why you want to win so bad, dude? Where does that come from, that desire? And I have to imagine, like, moving around so much, you need to find something to really focus your energy on, you know?
1: Probably a little bit of that, and also the, the idea of goal setting. Once you start setting goals and you achieve that first goal and then the next one and then the next one it becomes a thing mm-hmm. it's a passion that's the drive
2: no he's so aware he's so aware of the connection there and and i think he's a, really aware of himself you know like he's figured out his formula right like this is what i need to do to like get where i want to be like he's figured out like what makes him happy he's like i was doing comedy to make myself happy like he's figured out you know, he said he's really in touch with his body because he's with the swimming. You have to know what's going on with your body. Like, he's kind of like, he's a pretty well-adjusted dude, Felix.
1: Which accounts for why he's having the success he's having in his music.
2: Mm-hmm. Now we just got to get you more disciplined, Felix. <laughs>
1: Discipline on my walking. Once my knee gets taken care of, okay, I'm right. I'm I'm inspired. I'm I'm inspired. No, I'm inspired. I'm kind of inspired too, I'm not gonna lie.
2: I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get it together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could feel it. And I can also feel that it's time to bring this show to a close.
2: You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. Our editor is Hazel Sills and the woman who keeps things on track is Grace Chung. Our audio producer for this episode is Cher Vincent.
1: With additional production support from Isabella Gomez-Sarmiento. Our production assistant is Sofia Seidel.
2: And our jefe-in-chief is Keith Jenkins, VP of Music and Visuals.
1: I'm Say Your Name. <laughs> I'm Felix Contreras. That's what it says here on the screen. And
2: I'm Ana Maria Sayer. I know. I'm looking at it. That wasn't what that. I didn't need an explanation. That was me giving you a your stupid look.
1: Thanks for listening. <laughs> leave it in. I think we leave that in. <laughs>
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Charles Schwab, with their original podcast, Choiceology. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in
2: my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me.